Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 77 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Our main story? Hundreds of thousands of people around the world are reported to have died from COVID-19. And yet, we don't know the true number of virus deaths. Experts widely agree that the 300,000 deaths from the virus is an undercount. But there are ways to get closer to the real number. And without knowing that number, we're only guessing at how well our disease-fighting measures are really working. But first, here's what happened today. Germany wants to test more people who don't show symptoms for the coronavirus. The country's health ministry put out a proposal that would expand screening to close contacts of sick people, workers at nursing homes, and meatpacking plants, as well as schools and restaurants where cases emerge. Chancellor Angela Merkel and the country's states have agreed to keep contact restrictions in place until June 29th. We may get a new test of the international air travel system in the time of coronavirus, within weeks. Australia and New Zealand could open an air corridor between the two countries for quarantine-free flights if guidelines that will be released in early June are approved. The group drawing up the guidelines for safe travel are considering every stage of the journey, including how passengers move through airports and contact tracing requirements at their destination. Travelers will have to declare they're healthy before they fly and might sacrifice their fare if they're ill. Tightly controlled flight bubbles, which can be enlarged to include other countries, have emerged as potential models for the global travel industry. China and South Korea opened a narrow travel corridor with onerous restrictions this month. Finally, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the top U.S. infectious disease expert, said in an interview on CNN, he believes a vaccine could be ready to be deployed as early as late this year. But a group of people who get paid to make forecasts are far more pessimistic. Good Judgment Incorporated, a company that maintains a global network of forecasters who scour public data, say there's only a 9% chance that there will be a widely available vaccine before next April. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. 
Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. And now, our main story. So far, more than 300,000 people globally are known to have died because of the coronavirus. The U.S. is fast approaching the grim milestone of 100,000 fatalities. And as shocking as those numbers are, experts believe there are actually many more deaths we're not counting. It might sound macabre, but in order to save lives, you need to count deaths. Knowing how many have died and the context around their deaths is crucial for understanding and fighting the virus. That's because we need to understand how fast and in what groups mortality is rising in order to fine-tune the policies that govern our response to the virus. So experts are looking past the official count to find other ways to investigate just how many people are dying. Bloomberg senior editor Jason Gale has more. Alan Lopez is a laureate professor of global health at the University of Melbourne. He's spent a lot of his life counting the dead and figuring out why people die. Now his efforts have turned to COVID-19. He says monitoring mortality right now is critical for striking the optimal balance between saving people from the pandemic and worsening other health threats. We need to understand how bad these uh, deaths are increasing in order for us to turn those policy levers and knobs at the right speed in the right direction. So if um, mortality is still increasing, then we absolutely need to uh, keep doing what we're doing to prevent that. But in order for us to do that, we need to understand reliably Uh, how many people are dying as a result of the COVID-19 epidemic and at what time and at what age they're dying. There's no point making policy now on COVID-19 mortality data four or five or six weeks ago. You need mortality data from the last week and you need it by age, you need it by sex and you need it to be reliable. Alan and his partner, Professor Christopher Murray at the University of Washington in Seattle, have spent more than two decades studying mortality rates, and he says getting that reliable data can be tricky. The World Health Organization, as of Tuesday, said more than 5.3 million people are known to have caught the novel coronavirus, and of those, more than 6% have died. But those numbers aren't reliable. Many people got COVID and weren't tested, so their infection wasn't recorded. Some people died at home, especially when hospitals were overwhelmed. Some people died too because they couldn't get treated for another life-threatening condition. So how do you factor in those unreported cases and deaths to get a more realistic number? Alan says you ask a simple question and go from there. What if COVID-19 never happened? what would we expect to see in terms of numbers of deaths by age and sex? And then what do we see 
And, and in the absence of any major shock to the system, like an earthquake or a flood or some catastrophic event that causes a lot of deaths, all of those deaths must be due to the only other thing that's happened uh, that's different this year from last year, and that is COVID-19. And then there's the matter of figuring out which deaths were the direct result of COVID-19 and which ones were caused by some other indirect factor. How many more deaths are there by age and sex this year than there were last year or the year before, some, some comparable baseline? In other words, we need to understand fully the impact of COVID-19, not just as an underlying cause of death in hospitals where there's confirmed COVID-19 cases, but also the what we call the multiplier effects of COVID-19, the fact that it's likely to increase the risk of of major vascular diseases, heart failure, ischemic heart disease, stroke. We're seeing increasing evidence of that. The fact that it's likely to increase death rates from chronic obstructive lung disease. It's likely to increase death rates among smokers. So it's doing a lot of things that are multiplying up the risks of other causes of death, leading to a much bigger, often two to two times higher overall impact than what we're measuring in the specific hospital mortality rate. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that there have been as many as 113,000 excess deaths in the United States since February. Alan says that in countries with robust mortality data, it appears that about twice the number of people may be dying because of the pandemic than what's officially reported as a COVID death. So I think unless we monitor this epidemic cleverly and comprehensively, by looking at all of the deaths that COVID-19 is causing, we are going to seriously underestimate it, and that will seriously misinform policy options and their timing. Alan says the reasons why people die during the pandemic will also probably be quite different to what's usually observed. You've got an envelope of deaths, and you've got the COVID-19 certified deaths, but you've got a lot of other deaths in there. So how have death rates from road traffic accidents uh, from suicide. So road traffic accidents may have gone the other direction and gone down because there's been fewer people circulating. But on the And same with asthma or acute respiratory diseases because pollution has gone down. But on the other hand, you might have mental health conditions, particularly suicide, that would have been, that could well have increased. Um, we've talked also about ischemic heart disease, stroke, chronic lung disease, a number of conditions that COVID-19 might have aggravated, and we would have seen increases in these death rates. And these, I'm not expecting these to be doubling of the death rates, but I do expect that we will see you know, some significant increases in death rates that are directly attributable to the action of COVID-19. Across the world, tens of millions of deaths go unrecorded each year. This lack of information is a killer in its own right. Without an accurate measure of deaths and their causes, Fighting the pandemic in developing countries is much harder. Authorities simply lack the basic information they need to make informed decisions. Full disclosure, Alan is the director of the Data for Health initiative. It's funded by the Australian government and Bloomberg Philanthropies. Bloomberg Philanthropies was set up by former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, founder and majority owner of Bloomberg News parent Bloomberg LP. Data for Health partners with governments in low- and middle-income countries to strengthen their public health data and improve the way they use this information to make public health decisions and public health investments. We've also been very active 
in trying to help countries build up the notification systems so they know who's dying. This is critically important. You cannot diagnose a death unless until you know that someone has died. And to, to know about that, you need notification systems. In the, and remember, the vast majority of these deaths, unlike Australia, are occurring in communities, not in hospitals. And so how do you know that people are dying in villages and what they're dying from? And so a lot of the time that we've been working in countries, we've been focusing on cost-effective, quick methods that will, they're not perfect, but they will uh, yield the kind of information that countries would need to monitor COVID-19 with reasonable reliability and cheaply. And they work. The Data for Health program works in 20 countries across the world. Alan says that it's helped establish a baseline for the deaths that occur each year, and that will make it easier to eventually figure out the global mortality from the pandemic. What we now need to do is to um, collect the data on who died uh, in in the era of the COVID-19. That will be undercounted for sure, and we will need to apply the statistical methods that we've developed over the years to those data to say we should adjust them in this and this way. And when we subtract those away from the baseline, this is the excess mortality. That, in my view, is probably a six to nine month exercise. I may be optimistic, but I think this time next year, we would have a pretty good idea of the total global mortality and uh, by country from COVID-19. Alan says the pandemic is underscoring the need to rapidly report deaths to authorities. In developing countries, mobile phones have accelerated the notification process, especially when churches and other community-based groups are able to contribute to surveillance activities. The hope is that by improving the collection of this kind of data, governments will be able to respond more effectively, not just to the pandemic, but all the other major causes of death and disease, and that will ultimately improve the health and well-being of people everywhere. That was Jason Gale in Melbourne. And that's our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com slash coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Hendrickson, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Jason Gale. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Francesca Levy and Rick Schein. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.